Welcome to the Creekwood Church Podcast. At the end of this episode, please take a moment to download our new free app, which is the best way to listen to messages and keep up with everything happening at Creekwood Church. We hope this message inspires you and helps you discover practical ways to live a life of purpose. Enjoy. You know, we are in our third week of uh, this series that we've entitled, There's Always More, and I'm excited about sharing today, and we're going to be looking at the third book of Ruth, and we in this series are basically just going chapter by chapter and uh, looking at the different chapters in this beautiful, small little book that's just loaded full of uh, things that we can learn about God's heart for us and how God feels about us. But before we do that today, I, I want to just um, speak to you as your pastor for just a few moments. <clears throat> you know, you've been hearing me talk um, and speak to you now for, it seems like a long time. Uh, and you've also heard me tell you how much our staff, we as, as a pastors, we miss seeing you. We miss seeing your faces. I miss hugging you. I miss uh, you guys actually laughing at my bad jokes. Um, I, I, I just miss us getting together. And um, I, I want you to know that we are praying and seeking God about the moment that we should gather uh, again. And part of the reason why you heard me two weeks ago talk about uh, calling the church to prayer and fasting is that we need to seek God. You know, there, this virus is real and uh, we, we, um, we want to protect people. And so as, as, as a church, as we, we pray about the guidance and the date when, when we should gather, and I know you've heard us talk about that we've had to extend it a little bit, the date that we would start to gather back and um, I just want to ask you not to lock yourself in or get frozen in this moment and miss what God is trying to do. There's a tendency for us to go, man, I can't wait for this. I can't wait for that. I can't wait for this to happen. And what if it's not about I can't wait for that to happen. It's more about this moment that God is trying to do something. And fasting is one of the most powerful things that you can do as a Christ follower. When you actually shut down your physical appetite, and again, our physical appetites can look a lot of ways, and I've talked a lot about this through the years and taught on fasting and prayer, and you know, Jesus fasted, uh, the Apostle Paul fasted, Moses fasted. You can look throughout the Bible, people fasted, and it's an important practice for us as Christ followers. And I, I just want to challenge you to, to end this strong and to engage this fast with me and say, God, we are going to fast. I, it's going to be painful. Maybe for some of you, it's like, you know what, I, I'm going to fast sugar or, or whatever you need. Of course, don't do anything that would affect you health-wise or, or cause you to have a marriage, marriage problems because you're not having carbs. Can I hear an amen? Uh, that's really hard. Or you're like, man, I'm not going to have caffeine and, and um, I know for me, I get really grumpy if I haven't had a cup of coffee. But whatever it is, I just, I want you to, to step in this moment with me. Let's pray. Let's fast. Let's, man, let's, let's see God do some big things in, at Creekwood. I believe that years from now, people are going to look back 
on this moment and this day and what we did with this moment is going to define us. And people are going to look back and say, you know what, 10 years ago, 20 years ago, when the church was actually, can you believe they weren't meeting together? But they prayed and they fasted and Creekwood reached more people than they ever have. More people's lives were changed during that season. So I'm just, I'm challenging you, calling you to this, step into this. And uh, I, I know you're amening me and you're telling me that you're going to do it. I, I can, I just know you are. So I love you guys and thank you for joining my wife and I and our entire staff in this. And, but I, I want to ask you to grab your Bibles and turn to Ruth chapter 3. Ruth chapter three, and, um, but I, I want us to pray first and just ask God to, to help us today as we look at this uh, beautiful chapter. Father, thank you, God, for everyone that is watching today. I thank you, God, for those that, God, um, maybe don't know you, but they still joined us today in, in service. And God, I pray for those that are discouraged, those that are going through all kinds of different things. And God, I know that they haven't joined us today just because they want to watch a service. God, they need a word from you. God, they, they need to experience your presence, God. Father, I ask you, God, for your anointing, God. God, I pray for your anointing to fall in the, the living rooms of people right now, God. God, just because our world is shut down doesn't mean that you've shut down. Father, I pray for your Holy Spirit to move in such a powerful way in people's homes. And whether people are by themselves or they're, they're in a big old group, God, they feel the presence of God right now. God, as we look at your word, God, would you speak to us, God? I know that you have this message for us, God. And everyone said, amen. You know, this book... That is called the book of Ruth that that we really um, we have just been looking at this beautiful, intriguing story that it, at times it's it it so mirrors our own personal lives because we can all look back and you can you know, I, I know this happens with us. Our family gets together and we're all laughing and talking about the past and talking about different things that happened, different moments that happened. And some were ugly, some were great. Some were, are, are, are like, man, that was so funny. But you look at even from the beginning of this, of this story where you see this man named Elimelech and um, I, I said this before, and these are hard names, Elimelech. Try saying Elimelech three times, and it, it's, it's not easy. And, uh, but Elimelech and Naomi, Naomi's his wife, and she's a sweet woman. And they, they, they're just, you know, the Bible tells us there's this famine in Bethlehem, and uh, Bethlehem is, is the house of bread. It, it really was where they were supposed to be. Where it was the place of God's provision in their life. And Instead of them looking to see, God, what are you trying to tell us, God? They, they did what a lot of us do in our life. They took matters into their own hands and they moved to Moab. And I'm not saying that we are always moving physically, but I think spiritually a lot of us struggle with trusting what God is trying to do in our life. And so we kind of just take matters into our own hands. And the story again uh, goes that 
they moved to Moab and, and they lived there for a long time. Elimelech and his two sons and the two boys had married um, uh, these two girls. One was Orpah and one was Ruth. And Naomi is, is left um, there with, with her two daughter-in-laws because her husband and her two sons passed away through the years. And so, in other words, she starts to really get, and the Bible tells us she became a bitter woman. Naomi means that, that she, the name actually means that she was a sweet woman, but now she's like, man, I'm so bitter against God and she's blaming God for what's happened. And even though we can look at the story from a distance and see that it was Elimelech that made the decision to do this. And again, we have a free will, but I, I love this, the, 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 um, the moment that Naomi actually tells the two daughter-in-laws, listen, why don't you guys just go on back to your own people. You leave me alone. I can't do anything for you. I can't take care of you. And, and um, Obed actually leaves. One of her daughter-in-laws leaves. And you know, you're going to have a lot of people leave you in your life. And this is probably one of the most painful things that happens. And uh, I, I want to just tell you this, and, and this is just kind of a side note, that when people can walk away from you, let them walk. The people that walk away from you, you need to let them walk. Because your destiny is not tied to people that walk away. And some of you, again, um, are living very dysfunctional lives because you're trying to get somebody to love you that doesn't love you, that doesn't want to be with you. And this can look a lot of different ways that, and you're trying to convince people to, to, to love you, to, to want to, this can, you can see this in work environments. You can see this in relationships and friendships and all kinds of different places. And sometimes you need to get to a place that you understand that your destiny is not tied to people that walk away. Your destiny is tied to the people that stay with you. And Ruth stays with her. And so the story goes that the two of them, Naomi and Ruth, they leave and they go back to Bethlehem and they get back there. And um, um, I love that you can see the invisible hand of God. And I'm, I'm wanting to recap all of this because I want to just remind you of what's happening because you can see the invisible hand of God even in the midst of all these boo-boos. And we've all made boo-boos. We've all made decisions that we were like, you know what, I can't believe my life has turned out the way it has. Because we've made bad decisions. And for, for some of us, maybe it's what decisions other people have made in our life. And what you see is, is you can see this even in, in and we talked about this last week, is, in, is throughout chapter two, you see that, that the writer used, it so happened. And as it happened, she was in the right place. And Naomi and Ruth moved back to Bethlehem. They go back at the, at, at, at the time of harvest. And Ruth says, hey, I got to go out and I got to find, find us food. And um, it so happens. And just it, the invisible hand of God led her to the field of, of Boaz. And Boaz, you, you heard us you heard me talk about him of what a worthy man. And go read in Ruth chapter two, verse one. It says that he was actually a worthy man, and he was um, a family redeemer. If you look at verse uh, twenty 
of Ruth chapter two. And again, we, we read some of these scriptures and I want to just kind of, for those of you that weren't, haven't been with us, you need to hear me talk about this a few moments, but God's invisible hand is working. And even in the midst of all the things that, that some of the mistakes, some of the bad decisions. And I, I think it's, it's a, it's a wonderful reminder to all of us that, you know what, uh, there's always more that God wants to do in your life. And I know some of you are looking at your family and you're looking at your finances and you're looking at situations and it's, you can go, well, we made a bunch of bad decisions. And I just want you to hear me say this to you. There's always more when it comes to God, that the invisible hand of God is working behind the scenes. And she ends up in this field that is, 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 is the field of Boaz and God blesses her through this. And Boaz notices her and, and uh, uh, Naomi tells, you know, she goes back to Naomi and, and shows her all of the grain that she's picked up. And they are like, they have enough food for months. And Naomi is shocked at what has happened. And she, and Ruth begins to tell her the field that she ended up at. And, and um, Naomi says something so powerful. She says, he is one of our family redeemers. And, and I, I want to teach on that just a few moments because we didn't get to t touch on that last weekend. And actually a family redeemer, it's Boaz was a family redeemer for this family. And God, God set this up. And, you know, what, what does this mean? It means that God understood human nature and that we would oftentimes when in, a lot of you guys have received different types of inheritances through the years and you maybe you've lost your inheritance or you made some bad decisions, financial decisions that you lost your financial, uh, the, the inheritance that you received. And actually, this is a beautiful picture of how God is towards us and that a family redeemer actually had the, the power to come back and um, restore what was lost that when you look back at the, the story and the history of Israel where they moved into the promised land and they took the land and they divided it up tribe by tribe, family by family, and everybody was given an inheritance, Boaz was a family redeemer for this family. And what, what God was, was communicating to us is that God doesn't want people to have to live out the remainder of their life as losers. Now we all are going to make decisions. And, and again, you, you see what Elimelech made, that bad decision. And you're going to see Naomi make some bad, bad give bad advice. And, and we've all, all done different things that, that we can, even you look at deeply into our lives and you see a lot of the sin in our life. And it's very easy for us to kind of push ourselves down and say, man, there's no way that God could do more in my life. And actually what this family redeemer is, is that it shows us the heart of God is that, that God is saying, I don't want people to experience loss and then have to go the rest of their life paying for it. Actually, what God is able to do is that God, through his invisible hand, is able to cause miraculously things to turn around in your life. And I love that about God. You know, Creekwood is full of people that 
uh, you say, you know what? God is my redeemer. God was the one. I don't deserve what I have. I don't deserve what, what God did in my life. And, and God has restored my life. And so it's important to understand the Kingsman Redeemer and, and, and what that means and what, how big that moment was that God actually led Ruth to Boaz. So we pick up in Ruth chapter 3, verse 1, and it says, One day Naomi said to Ruth, My daughter, it's time that I found a permanent home for you so that you will be provided. So in other words, what she's, she's doing it again. She says, in other words, she's saying, I, I don't think we should wait on God. I don't think we need to pray about this. I, I want to take, again, matters into our own hands. And rather than waiting on God, God's provided. They already had all the grain they needed for months. But now she's stepping in and um, she begins to give advice to Ruth. I don't know if you've ever, have you ever had somebody give you bad advice? I have. I've given bad advice sometimes. We've all been there and we've all done, you know, just like, what was I thinking? And this, this story that we're going to look at, it's basically um, how Ruth proposed to Boaz. Naomi gave her some awful advice on how to do it. And I was thinking about this and, and I, um, again, it, it's so easy for us to get bad advice from people. And, and I know my wife and I, um, when we were dating and we knew we wanted to get married, we had been dating for a couple years and uh, I had the ring. I was working in Oklahoma and I was looking for the right moment to ask my wife to marry me. And I couldn't find the right moment. And um, we, my, my wife and I and, and one of my best friends, Kevin Lau, and, and his wife, we, we were in White House, Texas. Anybody from White House, Texas? It was way out in East Texas. We were over there. And um, my wife was sleeping with, with uh, his wife in their room. And I was in the room with Kevin sleeping in his bed. And we were laying in bed. And I know some of you are like, what? We, we, were, we weren't like, I know some of you are like, well, y'all were dating. Why y'all sleep together? No, we, we weren't married. And so I was in, in uh, the room with, with my buddy. And my wife was in the room with, with his wife. And we're laying in there talking. And I'm like, Dude, I should have, I need to, I've got to ask, I've got to go back to Oklahoma tomorrow. What, I need to ask her, like, I don't know, what do I do? And he's like, well, why don't you go wake her up right now and ask her? Which was awful advice. And my wife will tell you to this day that it, my proposal was probably one of the worst ones ever. Because I know some of y'all make me sick and you like, I think Pastor Matt, like, I don't know, like they flew to, to Geneva, Switzerland, all kinds of, he did some crazy stuff. He did it the way it should be done. But I went in there and uh, went in the room, got on my knees, and I, she was asleep, and I tapped her on the shoulder, and she woke up, and she's like, what are you doing? And I'm like, babe, uh, will you marry me? How many of you know that was, like, I'm grateful that, that she said yes, but that was not the most special way to do it. And Naomi is giving Ruth this advice in this story, and it's kind of comical how she, she gives her this advice. And 
ain't like, she's an expert and she's, she says, verse two, um, let me, let me read this to you real quick. Um, Ruth chapter three, verse one, let's, let's start back up there. One day, Naomi said to Ruth, my daughter, it's time that I found a permanent home for you so that you will be provided for. Boaz is a close relative of ours and he's been very kind by letting you gather grain with his young women. Tonight he will be winnowing barley at the threshing floor. Now do as I tell you, take a bath and put on perfume and dress in your nicest clothes, then go to the threshing floor but don't let Boaz see you until he has finished eating and drinking. Be sure to notice where he lies, then go and uncover his feet and lie down there. He will tell you what to do. I, and she says, I will do everything you say. Um, Ruth replied. Now, let me just kind of tell you, I know some of you are a little getting a little uncomfortable because this kind of gets a little steamy. You're like this single girl goes and she's going to, the advice she gets from her mother-in-law is you want, you need to go and find him uh, and wait till he's asleep and then go lay at his feet and uncover his feet. And I want you to understand that wasn't some nice little Jewish custom to just uncover his feet in Daniel chapter 10, verse six, uncovering, um, uncovering his feet, the exact phrase is translated his legs. So I know this is a little awkward and some of y'all are like, y'all about to embarrass me or I'm about to get offended. I'm watching church and, and, but this is in the Bible. So if you're getting offended uh, at what's in the Bible, you need to get offended a little bit more. Um, I'm kidding. Um, if y'all were here right here with me right now, I know y'all would be like laughing, but anyways, uh, uh, where was I? Uh, okay. We're talking about the awkward moment and the advice that this terrible advice that she gets from her, her mother-in-law. So she tells her to let go lay at her feet. She also tells her to go get, get put on your best clothes, all this kind of stuff. And the Bible tells us later on that it's at night. So she's going out to the threshing floors were not in the city. They were outside of the city. So she's walking at night in her best clothes. There's all kinds of wild animals, bad advice. There's bears, there's lions out there. Um, I don't know. There's all kinds of bad things that could happen. And she's going outside of the city and she's going to the threshing floor where there's going to be a lot of men. And she doesn't even know if Boaz is going to be there. And there's going to be a lot of young men that in the Bible tells us they're eating and they're drinking. And when there's alcohol present, how many of you know it doesn't go well? So um, this is also a huge risk to her reputation for her. You know, she's going out there at night. And she's showing up. She doesn't even know he's there. It's also a huge risk for his reputation. And, and uh, I know sometimes we're like, well, we know the end of the story. They get married. It's okay. And, and, and it all turns out okay. And I, I, I want to say this to you that, that I, I love this, this story because it's so real. And there are a lot of us, again, that you look at your life and you think, well, you know what? My life has not been that perfect and there's no way that God can put people in my life and that God can, 
I've made a lot of mistakes, but I, I want to tell you, never underestimate the invisible hand of God working behind the scenes. And, and I love how God puts people in our lives that teaches us the power of, of, of being Christ-like, of, of, of what, what, what the way that we ought to be. See, the grace of God covers our sins. And listen to me, I, I want to give you, I, I, I'm talking today because, about this because I want to give you hope, but I also want to instruct you that there's also a side of this that we need to, we can't just say, well, you know what? The grace of God just covers all my mistakes. There comes a moment that you got to kind of start learning that there's wisdom in certain actions in my life. And you learn this from Boaz and uh, the Bible again uh, uh, speaks about him as uh, a worthy man. And I want you to, if you're taking notes today, I want you to write this down. Uh, just a couple things. There's three principles regarding the behavior of a worthy person. And, and I, again, you see on one side, God's invisible hand working behind the scenes with, with all of the, the chaos of our lives and the things. And you see this beautiful story and how her mother-in-law gives her really, really the awful advice on how to go propose to Boaz. But his response to her is, is what, what I want us to learn from today there in chapter three. And honestly, I'm, there's not a lot of pastors talking about this, but it's, it's very rich in, in, in uh, lessons for us to learn. So number one, a worthy person understands the importance of patience. A worthy person understands the importance of patience. And, um, you know, Again, this gets a little steamy. He's laying there in, in um, it's, it's the middle of the night. And, and um, the Bible tells us that, you know, you can read this. Uh, she, she is, is, he's asleep. And we're going to read that, that verse in just a few moments. But look at verse 10 and what he says. The Lord, the first thing out of his mouth to her is the Lord bless you, my daughter, Boaz exclaimed. And you talk about it's a steamy moment. It's like, what's going on here? This is a little awkward. It's uncomfortable. She's got his legs uncovered. You know, um, uh, he's treating her with honor. And men, listen to me. If you're dating somebody, you need to treat that woman with honor. And one of the, the best ways uh, to keep things the way they ought to be is to bring God into the situation. And what he does is that he brings God into the situation where um, he says to her, you know what? I want God to bless you. So I want to be patient. I want, and you don't see him doing anything wrong to her. You see how he takes care of her and, and, and a worthy person understands the importance of patience. You know, this, this happened to me this last week. Um, how many of you know when it's stressful going through Chick-fil-A? You know, now they've got like three or four lines going through Chick-fil-A and everybody, you, you, like you have to like say your order so fast because they're trying to get it. And half the time, listen, I love Chick-fil-A, but half the time they get my order wrong. And so I've learned to check the bag and all this stuff. I have my system. I know I sound like a papa or an old man, 
But I'll, I've had too many times that I order something and then I'm like, I got somebody else's breakfast or whatever. And I was there this last week and went to get my breakfast. And, and um, the lady said, your party order's not ready. Why don't you pull up to the right, pull up a little bit and, and park to the right. And I will bring it out to you real quick. So I understood, pull up a little bit, get to the right. This van pulls up and I look over and it's, and it's got two teenagers in it. And I'm like, they're honking at me. And I'm like, oh, cool. Some Creekwood students, they love their pastor. And they pulled up next to me and I rolled the window down and they yelled at me, what are you, retarded? Now, I'm a pastor. I wanted to get out of that car and like whoop those kids. But I didn't. I didn't, I didn't write the license plate down because some of y'all are like, was that my kid that didn't? No, I didn't recognize them. So, but you know, people don't like to be patient. And do you know that, that actually when you, when you think about what patience is, is, is patience is about ourselves. When, when, when you're in a line, when you're in a traffic line, you're at the grocery store, you're not thinking about the people in front of you. When you're impatient, it's, it's about you. When, but you, when you start thinking about other people, and you care about other people, it means you, you have patience. And Boaz has patience. Listen, he wants to marry. He's an older man. He wants to marry this beautiful girl, but he has patience. And listen, listen to um, Ruth 3.10. The Lord bless you, my daughter. Boaz exclaimed, you are showing even more family loyalty now than you did before. For you have not gone after a younger man, whether rich or poor. Now, don't worry about a thing, my daughter. I will do what is necessary for everyone in town knows you are a virtuous woman. But while it's true that I am one of your family redeemers, there is another man who is more closely related than I am. And so, again, he, he brings God into the situation. He wants to be patient. He does not want to get out of God's will. And listen to what uh, uh, Psalms 37, 7 says, Be still in the presence of the Lord and wait patiently for him to act. Wait patiently for him to act. Isaiah 30, 18 says, Yet the Lord longs to be gracious to you. Therefore, he will rise up to show you compassion. For the Lord is a God of justice. Blessed are are all who wait for him. And there's a translation that actually says that he, he rises to show compassion. In other words, God stands up because he's so excited to show you compassion. That if you'll wait on him, and, and I believe this is a word for, for all of our singles that, that are watching me right now, that you'll be patient. Be patient when it comes to your relationships. Be patient when it comes to God working in your life. He's patient. Number two, a worthy person understands the value of integrity. And uh, man, I, I can't speak enough about integrity. Integrity matters. Never value. And listen to me, we live in a culture that we, we value uh, talent and ability over integrity. Integrity is, is huge. It's so, so important. And he's such a, a man of honor. He's going to honor her reputation. He cares about her because he's a man of integrity. He cares about her because he's a man of integrity. 
He says in verse 13, stay here tonight and in the morning I will, I will talk to him. If he's willing to redeem you very well, let him marry you. But if he's not willing, then as surely as the Lord lives, I will redeem you myself. Now lie down here until morning. So, I mean, this guy's got integrity. So Ruth lay at Boaz's feet until the morning, but she got up before it was light enough for people to recognize her. For Boaz had said, no one must know that a woman was here at the threshing floor. He's protecting her honor. And men, again, I, and I know this is kind of speaking a lot to relationships uh, this weekend, but if you're dating somebody and, and man, uh, all they care about is getting in bed with you, they're not people of integrity. I know we live in a culture that says that it's okay, but I'm going to just tell you as your pastor, I love you enough to tell you it's wrong and you're, you're laying a foundation for trouble in, in, in your marriage if you bring in a sexual relationship before marriage. I, I would challenge you to honor her, to honor him with integrity. Integrity is so important. Number three, a worthy person understands the necessity and all the, the, the mother-in-laws are going to say amen on this one. A worthy person understands the necessity of loving extended family. And I know you hear a lot of times people say, well, man, I love her, but I can't stand her family. You, you want to have a great marriage, you got to love their family. Don't get married if you don't love her family or love his family. Listen, you got to love that extended family, the in-laws. You got to love them. A worthy person does that. Ruth chapter three, verse 15, it says, Then Boaz said to her, bring your cloak and spread it out. He measured six scoops of barley. In other words, he gave her 90 pounds uh, of barley. I, this is comical to me because he, he gives her these 90 pounds of barley into the cloak and placed it on her back. Then he returned, then he returned to town. I bet she was thinking, 90 pounds of barley, I was wanting a ring. That was funny. If I, like, I know y'all would be laughing. That's funny. She wanted a ring. She didn't want no 90 pounds of barley. But he cared enough. He cared about her family. And a worthy person cares about their family. In verse 16, it says, When Ruth went back to her mother-in-law, Naomi asked, What happened, my daughter? Ruth told Naomi everything Boaz had done for her. And she added, he gave me these six scoops of barley and said, don't go back to your mother-in-law empty handed. And again, this, this is such a beautiful story. And there's so much to be learned here. And you see this, these three uh, principles regarding of what a worthy person does. And, um, you know, when you walk in, in patience and you're patient and you walk with integrity and you take care of your family, there's a special blessing that God gives you in your life. But I also want to remind you that it's not too late, no matter what you've gone through in your life, no matter what has happened, God's invisible hand is working behind the scenes. You know, I'm excited about next weekend. Next weekend, we're going to be wrapping up this series and we're going to look at the last chapter because it's beautiful of what happens. I hope that you will join me next weekend in this service, but I want to pray with you today and I want to invite you, if you've never received Christ into your life and you're like watching today and you're like, man, you know what? I, I want to be right with God. That's, th that's the most important thing that can happen in your life. 
The Bible says that if you confess your sins, he's faithful and just to forgive you of all your sins. So would you pray with me today? Father, I confess my sins to you. I'm a sinner. And God, I ask you uh, to forgive me of all of my sins. I ask you to come into my life. God, I want to walk with you, God. I I want you involved in my life. I invite you to be involved in my life. And Father, I pray for every person that is watching today, God, that they would understand that there's hope for their life. And even though some things have not been perfect in their life and maybe they've done some things that they're like, man, I can't believe God's still blessing me in the midst of this. But God, I pray that we would also learn to move on to these next level. as Christ followers, that we would be people of integrity, that we would be people, people that would learn, God, to, to um, be patient, God, and wait on you, God. We would be people that would, would love our family. Father, I thank you for this, God, and I, I just pray a special blessing on everyone, and I pray that you would speak into their lives today. We thank you for this, and everyone said, amen. Thanks for listening to the Creekwood Church Podcast. If you live in the Dallas-Fort Worth area, we would love to have you engage in one of our weekend services. For directions, service times, and more information about the ministries of Creekwood Church, please visit our website at creekwoodchurch.com.